Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, September 4th, 2023. What's going on? How are you? How's it going? Oh, Billy Jetlag. Oh, Billy dragging his freckled bottom all across the goddamn world over here. Um, Jesus Christ. I did my show in Dubai, and I have um, my show in Prague tonight. Um, 16-hour flight. You know what's funny is I actually find flying L.A. to New York or New York to L.A. uh, more brutal than literally flying 16 hours. Oh, is that right, Bill? That doesn't make sense. It's five hours and change. How would 16 hours be better, right? It's it's the mindset. You know, when you got to fly five hours across the country, six hours across the country, it's like, ah, Jesus Christ, here we go, right? And what the fuck is bing-bonging now on these goddamn things? Shut up. Um, <clears throat> anyway. You know, you're going to get on the plane and you're just going to be awake, you know, unless you take a fucking red eye from L.A. to New York. Then you sleep on that one. But then you wake up, you feel like you booze the night before because you don't get eight hours. You stumble out into a fucking, you know, Uber, a car service, the train or whatever. And, you know, I don't I don't take the fucking train because for whatever fucking reason, New York City, New York concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Fucking subway doesn't go to the airport. All of these people flying in and out of that fucking thing. The fact they came up with this incredible subway system that they've never built subway stops that you got to get on another fucking goddamn fucking train. You know, you already lugged your fucking luggage down the goddamn stairs. You already stood there. You fought off some fucking homeless people or whatever. You get on the fucking train. You got to go through all of Manhattan standing up because it's all fucking crowded. You finally get to the outer boroughs and you get a goddamn seat. And then you got to fucking go back up the stairs. Where the fuck is it? Where? What do I do now? Then I got to go over to here, buy another fucking thing, go back upstairs or down some stairs to get on this fucking thing that the person isn't even driving. I remember when they first tried out that thing over at JFK. Some poor bastard got on it and got killed. And they're like, all right, I guess we got to tighten the screws down. No one's died since, but it's just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It makes no goddamn sense to me. Um, so I always do like a car service. And then what ends up happening is you, you, you get off the red-eye flight. You're fucking groggy. Some guy's holding a sign up for you. You get in the car and then you immediately get stuck in gridlock traffic trying to get in to the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln Tunnel, the George Washington Bridge, the Triborough Bridge, the fucking, uh, the other tunnel over there near where that guy fucking did the headstand and fell off on Saturday night. Fever! Where were you guys? I was looking for you. Um... Anyway, you know what the lesson in that part of the movie is in Saturday Night Fever when that kid didn't show up for the fight? 
And he, where were you guys? I was looking for you when he said that. He did fucking be like, listen, I backed my fucking car through the goddamn front of the, 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 the store, the bar, whatever the fuck they were. He did do that. You know, that was something. Okay, but when he gets in there and those guys were calling him a pussy and everything, he'd be like, well, you know, yeah, I am. (laughs) In order for you to be brave, there has to be a coward. Or else everybody's just the same. So, yes, I guess I'm the coward of the crew. And judging by the big fucking ace bandage on the side of your face, it was the right fucking decision to make, no? Um, anyway, and when you fly New York to LA, I'm just fucking awake the entire time and, uh, just counting down the fucking minutes. So, but if you're going to fly to like Australia or over to Europe or over to the Middle East, the family baggage, right? You fly all the way the fuck out there. You just like, you just resign yourself. You're like, all right, well, I'm just on this thing. Yeah, I mean, what am I going to do here? So what do you do? You fucking, you watch two movies, you eat, you watch two movies. That kills like five hours of it, four or five hours or whatever. And then you go to sleep for eight. I don't know. It just always works out where I, I watch two movies Then I go to sleep and I wake up and there's like an hour and a half left in the flight. And that's what happened on this one. So I watched um, uh, Big George Foreman was the first one that I watched, which was incredible. I mean, you know what? I got to give a shout out to people in the cast here. They did such a great job. Who was the kid who played George Foreman? He was amazing. And you know what I, I... Aside from the acting performances, the accuracy. All right, I'm an asshole. I got my recorder on. And then the second I went to the online, I couldn't read anybody's fucking name. I just did like another five minutes on the podcast and I that didn't record. All right. So the guy playing George Foreman was Chris Davis. He was amazing. I The problem is they got half the cast blocked out here. Forrest Whitaker was amazing. Um, I, I'm going to butcher this name, but the actress that played George Foreman's first wife, S-H-E-I-N, and it looks like Mom Premier. She was amazing. Uh, The guy playing, um, is it Sullivan Jones? I can see half the name here. The guy playing Muhammad Ali was amazing. Obviously, Forrest Forrest Whitaker. Um, I can't remember if I already said this, but what I was saying about the movie, what I loved was how the way they set it up was you were immediately rooting for George Foreman. You know, I was even rooting for him not to fuck up his life before he became a boxer. And I knew that he was going to be a boxer, you know, and, you know, win the heavyweight championship and all this type of stuff. But even then, you just were so invested in the story. It was just done perfectly. And as great as that movie was, I then watched one that was equally as awful. Um, yeah, you're on an international flight and you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and then they, they're getting into like movies that you've never even heard of. And I just see this thing. 
and you know the English translation or whatever the fuck it was the movie because I've looked it up it's called like nine different things but on the plane it was called Kill Miami Cops <laughs> and on the cover it it looked like it looked like the actor that starred in Super Fuzz and he looked good in a uniform because he was in shape. And then there was this, the other guy. The other guy looked like an opera singer. You know, he looked like Pavarotti's brother. And he looked old as shit and he was fucking fat and he had this police uniform on like he'd been walking the beat for 50 fucking years. And the action in this movie, the way it was shot was just so fucking ridiculous and like the audio wasn't synced up with their mouths or I couldn't even tell if they were like not even speaking English and it was dubbed into English. I mean, it was, it was a glorious shit show of a fucking movie, right? So like, this is how bad the action was. Like there's a big, not the spoiler alert in case you're going to watch Kill Miami Cops. Um, there's this big shootout in the end in this warehouse. And at one point, one of the bad guys, who of course have machine guns, and the other guys just have like pistols, and they're shooting like fucking 100 bullets a second, and the other guys are shooting like from a fucking revolver, and somehow they're not getting hit, and they're killing guys with machine guns. So we've all seen that in the 80s action movies, right? But um, this one, this one took it even to another level where one of the bad guys throws a fucking knife at the in-shape actor that's dressed as a cop. He throws a fucking knife at him, and then they cut to, to Pavarotti's brother. He, he reacts to the knife being thrown. He draws his pistol. He has all of this time as the knife is <laughs> going towards the other dude. And what does he do? He shoots the knife out of the fucking air. One of the great shots of all time. Jesus fucking Christ. If somebody fucking knocks on my goddamn door again here. Hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Yes. Hello. Oh, I'd love some water. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Thank you. See that? Typical me. I bitch and then I'm happy they're here because they got the fucking... I need some water here. Um, anyway. Yeah, he shoots the fucking knife out of the goddamn air. And then... Uh, and then the bad guys just do like really dumb shit. It's like, okay, we have machine guns and these guys have revolvers and they're picking us off and we can't kill them for some reason. You know, it'd be a great idea. What if four of us you know, went over to a forklift. One of us drives it and the others get on the pallet as he raises it up in the air. Maybe that will be a good fucking idea. Um, spoiler alert, they all get fucking shot. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is I actually looked them up and they were ridiculously successful. And um, the guy... Uh, the guy I'm making fun of that was overweight was actually an Olympic like medal winning swimmer at some point in his life. So the shape that he ended up getting in, because by the end of his, when I was watching him, like his head looked like it was as big as the police car. Like I couldn't believe he could even get in the fucking thing. Um, 
so anyway, I looked him up and I learned all this stuff about him and all the success they had, him and that other guy. And uh, I'm guessing either he got so sick of training to be an Olympic athlete or maybe he got injured or whatever. He was just like, or he got sick of the Olympic diet. He said, fuck this. Um, he's just one of those guys, you know, like, you know, when you watch an old movie and you just look at someone, you're like, there's no fucking way that guy's still alive. And I was really surprised. He lived well into his 80s. So I think all that swimming helped him out. Um, because if he didn't swim and he looked like that and he was eating the food that we have in America, that guy would have dropped around 63, but he lived well into his 80s. So congratulations to him. But it is a fucking, it is, if you just want to sit down and just watch a fucking shit show with a friend of yours that really enjoys a bad movie, I highly recommend Kill Miami Cops or something like that. Miami Cops Die. It didn't even make sense. Because no cops die. Because <laughs> I saw the cover. I'm like, wait, are those two cops killing Miami cops? Are they bad cops? What's go- I don't know. Who knows? That's like kind of like over here when you like travel. Um, and you know what's funny? Like as far as like people, especially here in Europe, is like just some of the shit that they wear. Like um, like, a, like a New York Yankees hat. It has nothing to do with the Yankees. It has to do, I don't know, about like America or something. Like America, ciao, bella, ciao, bella. <laughs> like I just saw a couple. I think they were speaking German. I was sitting in this cafe, you know, just watching, you know, the whole thing go by, which is what I love to do. And this couple shows up, just total label whores, right? So the woman has on a white Yankee hat and it's, it's all white. It has nothing to do with the Yankees. It's all white. And the Yankee logo uh, is in gold. And then it said something on the side that was also in gold, like the MLB or something. I don't know what. And it, and then she had a white blazer on. So like the cat matched her blazer and then had like Chanel glasses, you know? Chow, right? Remember that? I love that special what's-his-face did where he kept going, chow. That's what I just kept thinking of. And uh, and then the other guy, the, the dude German guy, had on, um, I don't know what the fuck he had on, but he had a fucking hat on that had the American flag on it, and it said freedom, and then where the stars were, would be for the 50 states, it had the Under Armour. Um, <laughs> like... What do you call it? The logo. And I just want to be, excuse me, I'm American. What in the fuck does that hat even mean? What the fuck does, what are you guys doing right now? Um, but you, that's one of the things I love coming, going overseas. And you just see like these weird, inter- like weird names for movies and these weird interpretations. I mean, we do the same shit to this stuff, but I just don't know because I'm living there. So I'm not acting like we're better or anything. It's just funny to watch. Like, I remember being in France one time, and I just saw this kid had a shirt, and written in English, it just said, Cuba, best. (laughs) Like, I always wondered what Cuban people thought when they would see Americans walking around with, like, a Che Guevara. Is that how you say his name? Fucking T. That that was the shirt to have as, like, some white kid in the village. Like, yeah, man, fucking society. And they never realized the irony that this guy was not into capitalism and that his face had somehow become like, you know, 
like the New York Yankees or like, or, or, or you would see like American kids if like, if they were into soccer, you just had a Man United fucking dream. You didn't, you didn't, it was just like the default thing. Right, let's get some fish and chips, Man United. Like, you don't, you don't know anything. King and Queen, uh, fucking Princess Diana. You didn't know fucking anything about it. So um, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm telling this story out of order. I got to tell you about going to Dubai. Someplace I never, th- in, in, um, in Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, Dhabi, do. Um, I got to tell you, out of all the fucking places I've been to, and I've been to a lot of them, I don't think I've ever been to a place where I out loud said, I can't fucking believe I'm here as many times as I did when I was there. Um, I had such a great time. The people were amazing. It was fucking, it was hot, okay? I, you don't even, it was another level of like hot. It was like 92 or 97 degrees out at night, at like midnight. And um, like walking down the street, like we landed at night all of us, and we were like walking down the street and we were like, this is no fucking joke. This is, uh, it, it affected how every everybody just, you have this, it's like you're still walking, but it's almost not walking. It's like you, you are moving forward, but you, <laughs> you are not, um, you are not in a rush. Even though you are, your body just automatically knows that like, if I pick up the pace here, I might fucking fall down. Um, and we, the first night we went down and there was this giant TV screen and we sat outside at this bar and we watched uh, like the end of this soccer game. And uh, I always call it soccer and I always will because it fucking annoys people that aren't in America. Um, Cuba, best, soccer. Um, we sat there and I'm smoking a cigar, which is so stupid, 97 degrees out. And I'm like, look at that. That's the fucking Persian Gulf right there. I got to go with it. Right. So, you know me, I'm terrified of any sort of body of water. So I go over there. I got up to basically my knees and I took a picture with Nate and Bianca and at one point, like this, this thing of water went up and I went, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? I didn't realize Bianca just sort of like splashed the water up to add some, something to the, you know, young people. They know how to Instagram. And they teased the shit out of me that I got like, all I was thinking, I didn't think it was a shark. I just thought like something just did that and something wants to eat that. And then something wants to eat that, which at that point I think is a shark. As far as the food chain goes, I got to get the fuck out of here. So... Anyway, um, I don't think I've ever been so like apprehensive before a goddamn show because they were saying, you know, don't talk about religion and don't make fun of the country. And then there was a couple other things. And I was thinking like, there is, it's like, did they watch my tape? Like, what in the fuck? Why am I here? That's what I thought. I, the meal I ate right before I went over there, I was like, why am I here? The fuck was I thinking coming over here with, with my bullshit act like a, you know, and then, of course, I find out, you know, some of the royals, the people that run the country are going to be there. And I'm going, oh, Jesus Christ. 
I'm, I'm going to get this. This isn't. This isn't going to be good. And then people going, oh, so and so came over here and they said this and they got in trouble. Da 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 da. Right. So whatever. So right before I go there, right, I'm trying to psych myself up. So we're riding from Dubai over to Abu Dhabi, right? And we're driving down there. And, you know, everybody's kind of like nervous, like, okay, what can we talk about? What can we not talk about? You know, da-da-da-da-da, right? And uh, then we get there and I walked in the arena and it just felt like a show, right? And I'm thinking like, I don't want this to be a bunch of expats, right? I don't want to, I don't want to come here and just perform in front of a bunch of white guys that are like fucking, you know, working for banks or something. So I peeked out and I saw a nice mix of people. I saw the bankers, you know, and then I saw the guys with the, with the, the, that onesie thing, whatever they call it, dish dash, whatever they, whatever they call it, right? Uh, which I swear to God, if I spent one more day there, I was, I, I would have bought one. Cause I'm like, obviously these things cool you off, but I'm, a, I'm afraid that if I put this thing on, somebody's going to fucking be offended, right? I didn't know, right? So, um, I get there and Kenny goes, okay, I talked to him. You can do your whole act. There's not a problem. Just don't make, you know, bring up religion or, 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 or uh, you know, make fun of the country. I said, that's it? And they said, oh, yeah, and you can't say domestic violence. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, can I say slap the shit out of her? And they was like, well, they just said domestic violence. I said, all right, fuck it, I'm going to say it. So anyway, Bianca goes up first. And there was just a crowd, man. They were fucking great. Did whatever she wanted. She killed. And then Nate went up there. And he was like talking, you know, joking around about being there. And they were totally fine with that. So by the time I got up there, it was just like a show. And I went up there. And the reception I got, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was like I was playing like New Jersey or something. And I did my show. And, and, and what I learned doing the show was uh, how much you can learn about people by what they laugh at and the way they laugh at stuff. And um, I was getting those laughs that, you know, there was one joke that I was thinking of doing where I bring up 9-11. And I was like, oh, I don't know how they're going to take this. So <laughs> and I did it. And I got that fucking laugh. Um as a comic, right, I always like, if I'm talking about something outside of me and my world, what I, I, what I do when I'm in America is I look around the room to make sure that the subject I'm talking about, those people are laughing, right? Like say I'm doing a joke about race that involves black people. I'm not looking at the white people in the crowd. I'm looking at the black people in the crowd. And if they're laughing in the right fucking way, you know, or if they're not laughing, I know I need to keep working on it. Or I had this joke about Armenian people and not only did they laugh, they came up. I was like, was that all right? And they were like, that 100%. I know exactly what you're talking about, right? And I got that laugh in Abu Dhabi. And after that, it was just, I was just cruising and I had the best time. And, uh, and then afterwards, um, it, was, it was such a funny conversation. They, you know, they said that it's customary that if the royal family comes down, you got to meet them. And they go, do you want to meet them before or after the show? And I hate meeting people before the show because I want to focus on the show. And then if I meet them after, if they didn't like it, they'll just leave. 
And if they like it, they come down. So it's kind of a better thing. So um, anyways, the show ends. And I, I was looking at Kenny. Was that fine? He goes, totally fine. Live Nation. Everybody said it was fine. I said, great. I said, uh, are the royal family people coming down? And Kenny's like, um, his highness had to leave, but his excellency is coming down. <laughs> So I ended up meeting his excellency and he was cool as hell. I said, your excellency, it's nice to meet you. And he laughed. He goes, ah, call me. And he said his name, which, you know, my head was spinning at that point. Um, and uh, he was a cool guy. We took pictures and all that type of stuff. And uh, and then that was it. The next day we like flew out. But like the level of relieved that the three of us were and then what was funny was after that, like I heard all these other stories, you know, so-and-so came here and had to sign something saying they wouldn't say that again. But whatever, whatever. They're, they're on their way. That's what I'm going to say. The crowd is already ready, you know, for stand-up comedy. But like they're on their way because um, I feel like even since the last time whoever played before, they've loosened up even more. And, and, and they were totally cool. And the crowd was amazing. And um, this is what's really funny. You know who calmed me down about going over there? You know, I actually ended up, you know, I go to this, this uh, I go to this place, you know, every once in a while. And I ran into this guy. I don't know why. I just started talking to him. He just had this approachable thing. And he, uh, Hasidic Jewish guy, right? And, you know, he's a funny guy. And we're just always, like, busting each other's chops or whatever and talking about life. So I was saying, I was like, hey, man, I go, I'm going over to, uh, I'm going over to, you know, Abu Dhabi. And I go, I'm nervous about this thing or whatever. And I said, you know, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that. And he's like, well, what can you talk about? I go, I think I can make fun of the Jews. <laughs> so he cracks up. And I go, I'm just fucking with you. And I go, I know it's going to be good. I just want to, and he goes, look, he goes, just, he goes, the world's a positive place. He goes, this, you know, certain areas, you know, it's new. They're not, and he just put me in that mindset. They're not ready for that yet. So rather than looking at it like, you know, you don't let me do my shit. I was just like, you know, go over there and just don't be an asshole. And then other comics will get to do it. And then eventually it'll just be, you know, they'll see what they, they see over here. Like, like comics tell jokes and it, it doesn't, affect anything. Everybody just has a good time. So, um, the show ends, uh, you know, and, uh, we got this great picture and, um, I, I can tell, I can't, can't even tell you what a, a, um, how mind blowing it was. I think I said that in the show to go that far away from where I live and to have anybody even know who the hell I am was was unbelievable. And do you know I was sitting at the hotel, and uh, this waiter came up, asked me, you know, you want something to drink or whatever. So I got like a water, and he goes, "Oh, I don't want to bug you, but I, I'm a fan of your stuff." I was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "That Philly rant was great." I go, "You saw the Philly rant?" <laughs> All the way over here, he's like, "Yeah." I was like, did you even know what I was talking about? He's like, well, I mean, I knew you were making fun of the local teams and it was funny. Um, so I just kept having um, um, experiences like that. So it was, 
my head is still spinning. So I definitely, I'm definitely going to do the gig again. Uh, I'm not going to do it in August. I can fucking tell you that right now. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. You know, I mean, I don't think I've ever appreciated air conditioning uh, the way I did on that trip. Holy shit. I mean, you want to talk about like, you'd be walking down the street, you would be so fucking hot that like when you walked into air conditioning, you'd almost be worried you're going to catch pneumonia. (laughs) Oh, 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 I almost forgot. So I told the story when I was on stage about going into the Persian Gulf and they started yelling, going, no, they're going, they go Arabian Gulf. I'm like, what? I thought they were saying Arabian Gulf. I didn't know what they were talking about. They go, they, they call it the Arabian Gulf. And I was like, oh, all right. I was like, whatever. I'm fucking American. We rename shit. It's what we do. And they got a big laugh on that. Um, I don't know. It was a great time. So thank you to everybody over there for having me. Um, and thank you for, uh, you know, Nate and Bianca opening the show. It, it went great. And now, now it's all downhill skiing here. I got Prague t- uh, tonight. And then I just do my next run of shows. And uh, yeah, I was really, really happy that that whole thing, uh, that whole thing went well. (laughs) Um, It's sort of the shit you just go through that when you're you're on like the road, man. It's just like this far away. It's just like you have this act that works in the States and then you just leave and you're like, like... You just hear these, like, you want to go out to the Middle East? Like, fuck yeah, I would love to. When am I ever going to get to go? Then you get there and you're like, what in the fuck am I going to talk about that they're even going to, my act is so American. And then you just see this shit. Like when I was like talking about being married and everything, listening and the men and women laugh, it's the exact fucking same. They're going through the exact same shit. Exact same shit. Um... It's pretty wild. Why can't I get this thing to shut off? I got I somehow turned on the notification, so I should turn that off, right? All right. Well, I'm going to hit pause here anyways because I have to go eat dinner. It's, it's late here. So once again, thank you to everybody that came out um, in Abu Dhabi. I, I, I could not have had a better time. And um, <clears throat> really, hope it's not a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but it's, it's fun to, to go someplace that far away and actually uh, connect with people like that. It was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty mind-blowing. I don't think I've even like processed it yet, but as you can tell, as I continue to talk about it, like it was one of the biggest thrills of my um, stand-up career to have a set that good. Um, I'll tell you, Mumbai, India was that it's right when I went to Mumbai, India, like so much of the crowd was the local stand-up comedians, which is, you know, the highest honor you could get. And I remember afterwards hanging out with them, talking comedy, and they were asking the exact same fucking questions that comedians in the States act asked. It was, uh, it was um, mind-blowing. Fucking mind-blowing. So, um, I was talking to some people after the show and I was saying like, you know, I'm definitely, I want to come back. And they were like, great. And I said, I don't want to come back in the summer, but I love 
F1 in MotoGP, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's hook it up. So um, if you missed the show and you're over there, I will definitely be back. And um, But you, you will not see me there in August. Oh, my God. Thank God for that hotel pool. The three of us and Club Soda Kenny, we were just in the fucking pool. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> the pool was awesome. The hotel was beautiful. But like, uh, it was sort of like the perfect hang. And you know what was good though? What was good is because it was off season, there wasn't a bunch of tourists there. So we could just kind of had the pool mostly to ourselves. Um, that happened to me a long time ago when I went on my honeymoon. I went to the uh, French Riviera. Old Freckles out in front of his skis. Fucking French Riviera, right? And uh, we went to... Uh, the fuck was the name of that place? Ah, whatever. I'll remember it later on the podcast. Um, one of those places I always heard about when I was... You know, in like People Magazine... And they would show like Mick Jagger and the latest hot chick he was fucking banging, right? Saint-Tropez. Um, they were trying to avoid taxes, exile on Main Street, all of that shit. Uh, I went down there and uh, we got there before the, because um, we were there in April. And they were like, the people were telling us, because it was like one road in. And they were like, in one month's time, that's going to take about like fucking whatever, like four hours to get down that street to come here. And it's just going to be just, and uh, I got to be honest with you, to me, that is not a fucking vacation. It is not a fucking vacation just walking around, standing in line. That's why I don't do any touristy shit. Although I did in Dubai. I went to the, the tallest building in the world and, and this giant mall, they had a fucking full on aquarium with like sharks and shit and scuba divers. <laughs> fucking wild so we all went all the way up to the top all the way up to the top and uh the people there man are funny they're fucking funny they drive aggressively like new yorkers east coast people boston which um you know that's how i grew up so i totally respected that but then like the touristy game was fucking hilarious like we after we went upstairs we came downstairs and this guy had like a camera and he wanted us to get the touristy picture, you know? And he's like, my friend, my friend, sit down, sit down. I'm like, no, no, man, I'm good. He goes, my friend, sit down. And he got like really fucking aggressive. <laughs> and I had to look at him and be like, no. It's fucking funny as hell, man. My friend, my guy's like, dude, I don't feel like your friend. The way you talk in that fucking tone, I don't feel like your friend. So, um, but, you know, he's just doing that thing, you know, just the, the hustle or whatever. But I, I, I liked it. It had like a fucking, uh, you know, people were cool, but there was like that East Coast vibe kind of thing uh, that I really liked. So anyway, that's it. So that's Dubai. Now I am in Prague. Um, unbelievable, just incredible. And today I went over to that church where I, you know, saw this whole documentary on how um, seven Czech soldiers whacked. I'll get all the information here. Um, I'm just about ready to go out to dinner, but they whacked this fucking, one of the most murderous piece of shit Nazi guys. They fucking murdered the guy and then they were hiding in that church. 
And they always go, somebody betrayed where they were at. It's like, you mean got tortured? I don't know how it is, but whatever. And then like the seven of them held off like 700 Nazis for I don't know how long. And I, I think three of them got killed upstairs and then they were downstairs and they still were fighting them off. And in the end, when they had killed as many of the Nazis as they could and they knew they were going to get overrun, they just all committed suicide. And you go down there and it's just like, it's un- this, the bullet holes are still in the, uh, you know, in the walls, man. It's fucking wild. And uh, one of the, you know, I mean, that's right there with like the beaches in Normandy. All of that stuff is just amazing. Those, those stories and, and the, the bravery of the people. And um, we, I, I, I remember I, I'd come here like four years ago and then heard about the story after. I was like, fuck, I would have loved to have seen that. So um, I'll tell you what's wild about the story is that when Germany took Czech... Uh, and they they didn't even like they didn't even have like a decision like there was like a meeting between germany somebody else in like england they don't even have like the czech president even there he doesn't even get to make the fucking decision and england co-signed on it because they didn't want to have another world war and they kind of let him take austria and then Czech thinking that they were just going to stop i guess was the idea so um I just can't imagine being that president, like having to make that, like, what do I do here? Like the German army, do I just say, fuck that and fuck what you guys just signed? I mean, and then I'm, and then, you know, a bunch of countrymen are going to get killed, blah, 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 blah. Do I agree with this? Like having to make that fucking decision, knowing that no matter which way you go, you know, if you don't say anything, they're going to look at you like you're, you know, you just gave up the country. And then what was fucked up is, is then you see what seven guys were able to do. Then you got to be thinking like, well, fuck, man. If that's the kind of balls my people have, I should have fought these guys. There was, you know what it was? There really was no fucking, who, you know, this is all hindsight. Um, you know, I was just reading these things today. So this is all like new information to me. So I'm probably getting a lot of this wrong. But like one of the things that fascinated me was then at the end of the war, um, you know, the same people that sold them out to the Germans were now looking at them like, well, you fought on the, you were part of the German side. And it's like, it's like, no, we weren't, you cunt. You fucking English cunts. You fucking sold us out. You didn't even give us the decision. It's, it's just, you know, it's the same old shit. My country does that. We'll put somebody in power you know, because he's going to fuck with somebody else. I think you know who I'm talking about. And then years later, he becomes the bad guy. And it's like, oh, you mean the guy that was our guy that we helped get into power? Now we're going to act like we don't even know the guy? Um, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting too fucking deep here. World politics is not my specialty. A lot of things aren't my specialty. But you know what? Stand-up comedy is, goddammit. And I had a great fucking set in Abu Dhabi. Um, which is fucking awesome because now I am beyond excited um, for the rest of this tour. 
And um, I'm spending a couple days here in Prague, which I did on purpose because uh, Bianca's from here and she's been taking us out to all the spots and it's just been fucking amazing. The only thing that sucks, is the lovely Nia is not here because we got the kiddos. Oh my God, can I tell you something fucking hilarious my daughter said to me the other day? What she just said about me? She, <laughs> she said, dad used to have hair, but he outgrew it. <laughs> Just said it matter-of-factly to her little brother. Because she's always singing songs that have bald dad in it, and she just thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And, of course, I'm laughing my ass. She trashes me, and which, you know, to me is the highest form of affection, you know, when somebody, like, is trashing you like that. And she sees me laughing, and then she just does it even more. But she was playing with her little brother, and she's getting him, teaching him how to say bald dad. And they were playing with, I don't know what the hell they were playing with. And she just looks over him. She goes, yeah, dad used to have hair, but he outgrew it. And she wasn't even trying to be funny. She was trying to explain the process of going bald. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back. I'll do the reads and all of that shit. All right. All right, I guess I'm not going to dinner. I lost track of the time and everybody already went. No worries. All right, let me just knock this podcast out then. All right, let's do some reads here. Oh, look who it is, Indochino. You know, personal style isn't just about having a signature look. You can define your style piece by piece and fall is the perfect time to add a few new layers to your wardrobe. Elevate your closet with Indochino for custom-made-to-measure pieces at an off-the-rack price. This season, Indochino has new colors, fabrics, and styles to choose from, from classic suits for special occasions to head-turning out outerwear for your sidewalk stride. With new colors, fabrics, and outerwear styles, it's easy to create your fall look. Their unique process allows you to choose the exact customizations you want from buttons and vents to pockets and lapels. You say how you want it, and that's how they'll build it. Submit your measurements online or book a showroom appointment to work with an Indochino expert style guide in person. Blazers, pants, outerwear, and more designed and made for you. Hundreds of high-quality fabrics to choose from, quality European wools, linen, and cotton in a wide range of colors and patterns. Design a look personalized to your style and all of that shit. All right, here we go. Add fresh layers to your fall style with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code BURR, B-U-R-R, to get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's 10% off at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code BURR. Oh, look who it is, everybody. It's old Zip. Recruit up. Uh, did you know that if you're an employer who's hiring, the average cost per hire is 4700 bucks? What are you getting a call, girl? Um, if you're investing that much money into each new hire, you want to get it, you want to get it right. So what's the most effective way to find the best people for your roles? Zip. Yeah. Uh, see for yourself right now. You can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash burn. Experience the value ZipRecruiter brings to hiring. Uh, uh, let you try before you commit. There's no cost to try. You can post jobs for free so you can see for yourself how effective 
it is in helping you hire. Um, zip gives you the power to zero in one. Gives you the power to zero. Oh, zero in on top talent. Got your eye on an excellent candidate? No problem. It lets you reach out to them. You can easily send candidates you're really interested in a personal invite to apply to help your job stand out amongst the competition. It's simple. Zip. Uh, helps you get hiring right. Four to five employers will post on ZipRecruiter to get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address to try it for free before you commit. Uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. Spell out Burr. B-U-R-R. Uh, ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Oh, look who it is. Oh, Jesus Christ. The most loyal of all loyal as far as advertisers go. Stamps.com. They've been with me since I had hey. Uh, um, the holiday rush means more mailing and shipping for your business. But it doesn't have to mean more stress. You can put your feet up and rub your balls with Stamps.com. It has been helping businesses like yours save time and money for 20, 25 years. I didn't know they were on that long. And it can help you get ready for the holiday ramp up. All you need is Stamps.com's premium rates for all your postage needs. Uh, your own personal post office, wherever you are. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. Uh, they even send you a free scale so you have everything you need to get started. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Uh, premium discounts and supplies at your fingertips. Running low are shipping and mailing supplies, labels, and even printers from the supply store are available. Get huge carrier discounts up to 84% off uh, USPS and UPS rates to help your bottom line. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options, your postage partner for the last 25 years. Get your business ready for the holiday rush. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code BURR for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitment or, or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code Burr. All right, now it is time for your questions and comments. Uh, oh, Bill, let the listeners know the Monday morning podcast live at the Troubadour 3 is up on YouTube. Uh, yes, we filmed it. We did like a three, two, three camera shoot. And um, this was the one that was on Moment, I don't know, four or five months ago. And we just, well, I enjoyed it, you know, doing the podcast so much that uh, we decided to put it out there. And uh, this is something that I think I'm going to do more. If you guys enjoy it, if you want to watch the podcast, um, I definitely uh, would like to do more of these. Um, I might even do a live podcast overseas. I was thinking how cool that would be. Um, all right, live podcast. Uh, yo, Bill. The live podcast was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Thank you for two free hours of comedy off the goddamn cuff. Impressive stuff, Bill. Hope that Catholic guilt doesn't keep you from realizing how talented you are. Oh, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, running my yap by myself. So I just do it in front of the crowd. 
I also, uh, I don't know. I also fucking just connected with the crowd. The crowd does sound quiet. The crowd, a lot of people are like going, great show, but what's up with that uptight fucking, you know, L.A. crowd. People are so dumb. It's like they came to see me do the podcast. They listened to the podcast. They're podcast listeners. So I don't think that they're uptight. I think you just can't hear them. Um, they all had a great time. They were fantastic. Like the crowd in Abu Dhabi. All right. Uh, look at this. You working out, bruh? Hey, fucking Billy Biceps. I saw Randy Blythe posted a photo of you on Instagram. And Jesus, you looked ripped as fucked. On the drum set. I did? I'll take that. Well, listen. As, as good as the arms are looking, just know that the fucking, you know, I got a nice cunt belly too. Don't ever forget that. Uh, you've been lifting? Yes, I have been. But you know what I've been doing? I've been old man lifting weights, which is I finally have given in to the fact that I'm old. So I don't, um, I don't lift heavy weight. Um, I, I just do weight that I can easily handle and I just do reps until I feel a good burn. And then I'm like, all right, so that's the number. And that's what I'll do for three sets. It doesn't take a lot to keep yourself toned. That's what I've realized, but it does take a lot to increase your muscles. HGH. Um, <laughs> either that or you gotta eat half a fucking cow every day. Um, and I'm not doing that. All right. So I'm just going to be, uh, I'm trying to keep myself, but thank you for saying that because I got a little out of sorts here when I was in, well, I was staying in Dubai and it's just like, what am I, am I not going to try the food? You know? Oh my God. We had great food when we were there, but you know, I, I went to, they had a killer gym at the hotel and, uh, I used it one day, but the other days I did not. So, um, I've been, I've been good while I was in Prague. And I got to tell you something. Um, if ever I'm going to go off the fucking wagon, it's going to be in Europe. Because my country really needs to up their game when it comes to serving beer. Um, the fucking mugs. Like, I've been over here. Like, these giant mugs of beer. I saw, like, an old lady like this old couple, and they both had these giant mugs of beer in front of them. And I was just like, that's fucking, and then just the afternoon, and you know, they're just drinking, having a good time. I saw a mom with her mom and a baby in a baby carriage. She was like in her mid-30s, and it was just like the middle of the day, and she had a giant, like, I'm not talking about a pint. It was this giant fucking, like, medieval size mug. It looked fucking delicious. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, for the first time in a long time, I thought, what if I just had one? And then my brain quickly told me the answer. Well, one will become two. And then you'll go off the rails on this trip. And then what you're going to do is lie to yourself that when I get back to the States, it's going to stop. It won't stop. And then I'll have to quit again, which was hard enough the first time. So fuck that. Um, but God damn. Anyway, it says, uh, you've been lifting. It's cool as fuck to see my all-time favorite comedian with my favorite band of all time, Lamb of God. Yes, that was the band I was talking about. I want to be Billy Fancy Pants. But um, I went down and uh, once Chris Adler, who I'm also a huge, huge fan of, 
Um, I still can't play all this stuff, those drum things, tracks that Chris played. He left the band a number of years ago. Art Cruz is the new drummer. I met him one night randomly. I was at the comedy store and he said, yeah, I got a new gig. And he was, I was like, where are you at? He goes, I'm, 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 I got the Lamb of God gig. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. So whatever. He had, he let me come down. I watched him play soundcheck in this fucking amazing venue. I want to do a show there. Um, I guess it used to be an old movie theater, but it felt like, oh, I talked about this, like an old tree. You could just tell, like, this is going to be a sweaty fucking mass of humanity losing their mind fucking rock show. You just, you just knew. You just knew. You could feel it. And, uh, but I got to watch them do sound check and I, I hung out with some of the guys, got some coffee. I had a great time. Um, anyway, uh, how was the show? I didn't see the show. Uh, the guy says, I've been so busy lately, I didn't even know they were playing Riverside. I always go to their shows when they are in Southern California. Randy's Instagram post mentioned you jammed a couple tunes with them on the drums. Uh, no, I went up and I played a little bit. Uh, I fucked around a little bit. Um, and it was funny because they had the drum kit mic'd up when Art was playing with them and it sounded gigantic. And then when I got on there, the sound guy clicked it off. So I felt like when I was playing, I sounded like I was on like a fucking toy drum kit. I also was going on after a professional drummer. So anyway, first, which songs did you jam with? Second, what is your favorite Lamb of God song? Oh God, you're gonna put me on my old brain? Oh fuck. Oh, let's go into let's go into the uh, let's go into the library here. I'll show you the the album that got me into them, if I can find it. I bet if I listen to it now, I could figure out some of the drums. Um, these are the ones I have. I Ashes of the Wake was the first one. Uh, oh, now you got now you've got something to die for. That was a great one. Omerta was great. Uh, that was 2004, and that's that's where I was mentally when <laughs> that shit came out. So um, I've been on like a jazz kick lately. Uh, uh, 2006 Sacrament, that's one, and then the last album I bought from them was the self-titled one in 2020. Um, I can't play any of that shit, but if you want to get into my library here, the, late, the last couple of things that I downloaded was uh, this band called The Pretty Things, Parachute, and the best of Sam Cooke, and Joe Henderson, Power to the People, uh, which I think has Al Foster on drums, uh, who played with Miles Davis. That's how I know about him. But... Um, that's what I've been doing. But no, I didn't sit down. Like those guys are on fucking tour. They don't have time to do a Make-A-Wish jam session with me, especially when, you know, you know what I did? I sat down and I was thinking, what am I going to play? So I was thinking I was playing Pantera. I was actually playing Primus. Jerry was a race car driver. I was like, oh, wait, that's not what I was trying to play. I was trying to play the uh, the double bass part in uh, Cowboys from Hell. Um, and of course I, I busted out my... Bonham triplets, you know, I did a little bit of that. I went around the toms a couple of times. That was it. It wasn't, it wasn't long, but it was, uh, his drum kit is fucking gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, Ludwig kick, which I'm so happy that Ludwig is back because when I was coming up in the eighties, they had a, a, a time where they, they, 
kind of lost their way. Kind of like BMW. BMW was making great cars, and then I don't know what the hell happened. They went from a fucking a 3, 5, and a 7 to a 1 series, a 2, a 3, a 4, 5, 8. It's like boxing, where all of a sudden they had like 9 million weight classes and 53 fucking champions. Um, everybody after a while loses their way. I've lost my way. Right? I used to have a full head of hair and fucking my life ahead of me. Now look at me. I outgrew it. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I will tell you, the, as cool as it was to play his kit, it was even cooler to be standing behind, you know, the drum kit, watching him play and trying to figure out, like, what was going on. Because I've, I've watched Chris Adler play them. He did a modern drummer. I have this on DVD somewhere. He did one of those modern drummer, like, drum day things or whatever. And, and modern drummer would put out the DVD every year. And... I remember I watched that over and over and over again. And he had like, like they didn't show his feet enough. And he would sort of hop almost like Steve Gadd when he would play, which is really cool. And when I watched Art play those parts, like he does, like he plays heel up and heel down. Like, like whatever he needs to do to get it. It was, it was like, he kind of was doing both. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, you know, watching it at full speed, I, I don't know that I learned anything other than he's a, they're, you know, an amazing drummer. Um, all right. Pizza and arm hair. <laughs> okay. Hey, Bill, uh, I'm standing in line watching a guy make my pizza. The dough, oh no, the dough he throws around touches his arm. Some hair at some poker has to have got in the dough at some point. This is a classic voice text. It says some some hair at some poker has to have got into some hair at some point. Uh, I'm not a germaphobe, but it got me thinking that thousands of arm hairs have been eaten with pizza. Help me forget this fact and tell me why I'm wrong. I'll tell you why you're wrong. It's because rather than keeping that information to yourself, You've now infected all of our brains with it. Um, I don't give a shit. I'm still eating pizza. Uh, but I do like, that's my only thing I don't like about pizza is I don't like watching somebody I don't know prepare my food. You know? Like if my wife's making me dinner, I, I enjoy that. It's like, that's right. You work for me. This is the power structure. You are the woman you go in the kitchen and you make me a fucking meal. I'm kidding. Um, no, I don't like watching strangers handle my food. Even if back in the day, like you're at like a subway and they put on those fucking. You know what I always loved is when somebody would put on like the rubber gloves and then they just leave them on all day and they're talking to you and they're like rubbing their nose. But it's like, uh, so at this point, you're just protecting your hands from you. But all of you is, is fucking on those gloves. You ever do that order? What do you want? You're like, let me get this, this, this. And then you just see something like that. You're like, you know what? I, I, gotta, I know what I want to order. I want to I order. Forget it. Forget about it. I'm all, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Keep the money. I didn't want to go through the whole fucking thing. You just take that, buddy. You take all that money and you fucking go buy some hand sanitizer with it. All right. Song I can't stand. Hey, Billy Baldbag, big fan of the podcast, longtime listener, blah, blah, blah. 
on to the shit talking. I personally can't stand the song Come On Eileen uh, by Dexy's Midnight Runners. And I have two theories as to why. Yeah, I fucking hated that song. I fucking hated that song when it came out. Come on, Eileen. And then, then, then they just sort of morphed into a cover. Da, 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 da. Didn't it go beep, 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 baby, baby. Where did I love go? And I just hated the sound of the keyboard. But now I go back and I listen to it and it reminds me of that period in my life. So I don't mind it. But uh, that's a good call. Yeah, I fucking hated that song. All right. First of all, my first ever girlfriend made it our song. He put that in quotes. In other words, he had no say in that. Uh, when we were teenagers, and I can't for the life of me remember when, how, or why. Well, I mean, that should have given you good memories unless she broke your heart. Uh, there was something smug about this self mythologizing behavior that I can't help but think about her every time I hear it. Side note, it's incredibly likely the origin story occurred during some early teenage binge drinking bouts, hence the lapse in memory. Um, I'm starting to understand why she broke up with you. Did you immediately just go from zero to 900 with your drinking like I did? Uh, secondly, and speaking of drinkers, similar to your aforementioned Neil Diamond Stadium pleaser, I think that the participation in the breakdown section, um, come on, Eileen, is what is the most infuriating for me. The tempo slowing down and everyone singing, come on, Eileen Delurie. Oh, yeah, it's awful. You ever think they, they know that? They have to know that, like we're in the, when they're in the studio. You know, they, they got to know that shit. That it's like, all right, we got to dumb this down. If we, we need, we're trying to sell out a fucking arena here. Let's just write some mindless shit that is fun to sing. Um, I just remember too, like the, the lead singer looked like he, like a street person. He looked like he was homeless. That was another thing that I didn't like. I liked like fucking, you know, I hated myself growing up. So I liked seeing rock stars that made me want to be them. So maybe when I saw that guy, he looked like a brunette me. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But God bless them. They wrote a hit and they're still living off of it. God willing. Um, oh, that's, oh, he goes, the tempo's slowing down and everyone's singing, come on, Alinda, and banging their fists against the bar like they're suddenly committed to living in the musical universe and ready to break into song at a moment's notice. Yeah. That was like the Moni Moni. Get laid, get fucked. Ah. <laughs> Fucking acid wash jeans. Oh God, those were such lonely years for me. I had friends, but I just remember everything I looked at, I was just like, nah, that's not it. You know, just searching, like, where do I fit in? And when I was, people go, get laid, get fucked. That's <laughs> just good. Um, I don't know what bus this is, but I, 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 I'm getting off, getting off this. Next time this bus stops, I'm fucking getting off this thing. I don't know what this is. Um, 
there's only two places I ever felt like I fit in, and it was working in a warehouse and working in a comedy club. Those are the only two places where the people that were in there were wired like I was. Construction site a little bit, but they they had different brains than mine. They were like good with their hands, like building shit, like knowing like a trade, like I wasn't those guys. Um, I don't know. I always felt people that worked in warehouses were smart enough to not get involved in landscaping. You know, being a grunt doing that just because it just beats the fuck out of your body. You know what I mean? It's like everybody knows if you're going to enlist in the armed services, armed forces, right? If you want to get treated like a human being, you, you, as much as possible, you join the Navy or the Air Force. Like they have the best accommodations. I've heard this from veterans. It's like, you know, if you want to get knocked around and get treated like you, you know, on a whole other level, you join the Army or the Marines. Um, which is probably why the Army and Marines have like, you know, are considered like more badass. Oh, let's get this going, huh? How would you rank them? It's college football season. I'm over here. I'm missing out. The Marines are probably considered the most badass. Then the Army. The Navy, I feel like, is sort of ambiguous. It's like, I feel like you're really smart, you know? They got those really lovely uniforms. I mean, their uniform. I mean, I would say the Marines, their dress uniforms are the best. Um, then maybe the Navy, and then Air Force. I love aviation, but the funny thing about the Air Force is most people don't end up flying the jets. You know, that's that bit I used to do. Like I'm in the Air Force. You fly the jets? No, I'm the guy that does that yoga pose and I point in the direction that the jets takes off. <laughs> Especially after Top Gun, right? And now they brought Top Gun back. So everybody's like, oh yeah, were you Goose? Were you Maverick? Were you fucking Range Rover? What, what was your fucking call signs? Uh, I put the gas in it. I'm that guy. I'm like a fucking F-16 roadie. I set up and break it down. That's, that's what I do. Um, isn't it amazing those guys fly those fucking planes, right? And they can ha handle all those G's and all of that shit. And then and then they get all this all these chicks want to fucking bang them. But the guy that actually the, the mechanics that work on those fucking things, like if it breaks down, they know how to fix it. They know how to fix like a fucking hundred million dollar goddamn airplane. And no one gives a shit. Shout out to mechanics. Knowing how to fix all this stuff so the world keeps running. You still have to work. You still got to work on the weekends to try to get some woman to love you. Um, I relate as a comedian. We used to always be jealous of musicians because they could go up there and sing their songs and then they get off stage and the chicks would just be running up to them. Whereas comedians, we would do our shit. You get off stage and then they would, you know, if they came up to you, they wanted you to continue to be funny. Like the show like never ends um, all right, song I can't stand. Uh, Dear Billy Copperbush. <laughs> I like that. I like the idea that my pubes are the color of a precious metal. Um, and just like copper, over time they change color. <laughs> uh, love the podcast and all that you do. 
you've been talking, you've been talking the past few podcasts about songs you can't stand. And for me, it's got to be Africa by Toto. Oh, I can't co-sign on that. I love that band and I love that song. Even though I have no idea what he's saying. That guy, what a fucking voice. You know what's funny? He was just asked to leave the band. They didn't care. He was such a good singer. They just, listen, man, you, you, you're doing too much blow. You got you to fucking chill out here. Then, hey, fucking something down in Africa. I have no idea what he says. Um, you know, Crush, that song at the goddamn comedy jam. Big J sang the fucking hell out of that. Fucking killed it. If you ever see Big J on, on the comedy jam, go. Go there. I saw him sing another song. Oh, what the fuck was the song? Hey. Say it ain't so. He had the whole place singing it. Um, all right. I'm 23 and regularly go out to college bars where that song is played. Africa is played pretty much every night. All right. I don't want to hear that song every night. And while everyone in the room is screaming the words at the top of their lungs, my blood starts to boil to the point of wanting to commit a hate crime. I know what you're saying. That does this like, I think sports is the only time where I, I feel like I want to be part of the crowd. Where every time else when I just see, uh, you know, everybody just losing their mind about a song. Yeah, it's weird how those old songs are catching on. You know, I went to a USC basketball game and they had that Journey song on. Don't Stop Believing. And these kids were losing their fucking minds. Now, it didn't bother me because as an old guy, I thought it was like, oh my God, like, this is cool that these young kids think anything that came out in my generation. That was a little before my teenage years when that came out. Anyway, um, the guy says, hand down... That has to be the gayest song released by a rock band in the 80s. Would you agree? No. No. All right. If not, what are some of the other gay rock songs released from that era? Thanks and go fuck yourself. Uh, I got to think. I got to think. Well, you know what's funny? was a lot of the songs that when I was a kid and I was listening to metal, so I don't like that song, that song's gay, right? And then meanwhile, I would watch a guy in full makeup, <laughs> essentially dressed like a woman. Um, but there was guitar. And to me, that was that, that song has balls, right? So, I mean, if you saw some of the shit I was listening to, uh, and it was considered metal. And it was like, and you go back and you watch it, and you're like going, oh my God, this is like, this is like Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I've never seen, but it was, it, I don't know. Um, what are some of the lame rock songs? I guess you're not supposed to say gay anymore, right? You're supposed to say, you're not supposed to use it like that. Knock it off. Remember that? Um, I, this always happens to me with music. Why can't I fucking remember? I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one. Uh, all right, I'm just going to start naming songs that I liked that were a little out of my wheelhouse. 
that one band, one of the, she's a beauty, she's one in a million girls. Remember that rock that wasn't like hard rock? It was pop. Like, uh, what was the other guy? I love's in jeopardy, baby. I fucking love that song. Oh, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Like, whatever that was. That part of rock. God damn it. You know what? You caught me. Give me a, I'll answer this on the next one. Um, I would say like any of those ballads that were like, like say like Ario Speedwagon. Oh, that come on, Olivato, Mr. Roboto, like sticks, right? Like those were bands like, it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Are you a rock band or are you trying to be more like, you know, rock opera? Like, I don't know what the fuck is going. Like I could never, like I always find with those bands, their early shit. It's like their early shit was, it had balls to it. And then at some point, the lead singer, you know, the guy that plays piano, that fucking guy, which is just not rock, man. There's no keyboards in rock, man. There was all of that shit. Like once that guy's ego like took over, he got big enough. And then all of a sudden he starts calling the shots, you know. Um, but that didn't always, uh, that wasn't always a bad thing. Because early Journey was like, oh, actually, I think they were like more like a prog rock band. And then when Steve Perry got in, he took them in this different direction. But then they made all these great songs. So there's no, you know what, people, there are no absolutes. But uh, fuck. That's such a good question. I know there's so many of these songs when I was growing up. But now I, I like most of them I like now. Like I remember I hated Culture Club. I was just, I couldn't relate to the music at all. I was weirded out that there was some dude dressed like a woman while watch, you know, like Boy George would, could have dressed the exact same fucking way except have an electric guitar and had some fucking heavy riffs and I'd be like, fucking Boy George rocks. Like that was so, it was so fucking stupid, right? But I was stupid. I was, I was dumb back then. Now I listen to, to uh, Boy George. I got two right here. That I, how about this? Songs that you used to think were lame, and then you go back and listen to them, you're like, oh, that's actually really good. I would say Boy George and Simply Red. When I was fucking growing up, I was like, man, fuck those bands. Fuck those bands. That's fucking lame. Fucking, that's fucking bullshit. Now listen to the guy Simply Red. I'm like, that guy's voice is fucking unbelievable. And then that song, do you really want to hurt me? It used to drive me up the fucking wall. And now I listen to it. I'm like, the drum, the fucking drum groove on this is fucking insane. It's amazing. And then also this is sort of like blending genres. This is actually really high level pop music here. What the fuck was wrong with me? <laughs> Dude, the amount of makeup, by the way, sold in the 80s. That has to be the best era ever. It was like everyone was wearing it. Prince was wearing it. Uh, Prince, I had an on-again, off-again f- fan thing in the 80s. You know? 
He would do like, uh, oh no, let's go and fucking rock and I would like it. And then all of a sudden he was getting out of a bathtub naked and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I would have to walk away. <laughs> I don't know. It all comes down to personal preference. But then in the end, I go back and at this age and I listen to it and I kind of love all of it. And I just realized that I was just a fucking idiot kid. And, and you'll do that. You know what? One of these days, I'm calling it right now. You're going to listen to that song, Africa, and you're actually going to like it because it's going to remind you of being in college and having your whole life ahead of you. All right? Before you fucking outgrew your hair. All right. That's it, everybody. Go fuck yourselves. Thanks to everybody in uh, Abu Dhabi who came out to my show. Um, I had such a great time. It was a mind-blowing experience, and I hope I get to do it again. And um, I'm looking forward to Prague tonight, Berlin, Stockholm, Budapest, and then I'm in Athens. It's going to be fucking insane. All right, that is it. I will talk to you later.